With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You will fail. So what? Everybody does. But your gym, your watch, your yoga pants, they pretend you won't. So when you miss a day, eat the pancakes. Give up on a workout? You failed? Seriously, what the hell? We're body. We've been a part of that too, but not anymore. At body, we're rejecting perfection and embracing reality. Not in a pizza Monday kind of way, in a loving your whole life kind of way. In a, this workout is fun and it's okay if I take a week off kind of way. In an, I'm eating healthy and it's okay if I indulge kind of way. In a, I like myself no matter what kind of way. Yeah, you will fail. We all will. But we're not going to let that be the end. You see that? We're already making progress. So let's keep going. We are body. Start your free trial at body.com. That's B-O-D-I dot com. Wearing his heart on his sleeve, uh, if you want to interpret it charitably. And if you don't want to interpret it charitably, maybe someone would accuse him of throwing a tantrum. Well, that's what I would. I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's what I would do. Yeah, make myself president. If Derek Holland got hit by a truck, that <laughs> would be an unequivocal injury. And welcome to episode number one of Imitation Hardwood Battles, where we discuss nothing but the Toronto Raptors, now and forever. <laughs> I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight by the indomitable Nick Dyka. Nick, thank you for dropping by Artificial Turf Wars, which is probably the real name of the show still. Yeah, I hope so, because my, uh, my basketball knowledge is sorely lacking. I know that there was like one really important thing that happened in basketball this year. And it happened like the night before we recorded this, so I'm yeah, <laughs> be sure podcast. Yeah, but I'm trying to I'm trying to get the clicks, I'm trying to jump on the bandwagon. Is it working? Um, that's a good question. Did Did you guys notice an uptick in 2015 when when the Jays were really hot? Um, yes, because you yeah oh, yeah. Then, actually, it yeah. was funny. There was a big uptick in people listening, and then yeah. uh, then everybody started talking about the Blue Jays, and we we kind of faded a bit. Because I think there was just oh. so much content. Like you could get, you could get the Blue Jays in your morning cup of Joe morning show. There was like a ten minute segment. So, right. Anyway, yeah. Uh, what are we going to talk about? First, of all, we're going to talk about the fact that Josh uh, is having a real life and was unable to make it this week. After last week, I pumped him up and said that he was always here <laughs> with me. So, mm, okay, lesson learned there. Uh, so, first of all, the Jays cannot hit. Uh, and as a result, they keep losing games. I think that we'll go into more detail, but that, that that's the summary. Um, Marcus Stroman had a little bit of an issue when uh, his manager came to get the ball the other day. Um, Vlad Jr. has had one solid game and a lot of not-so-solid games. Uh, we'll talk about him, of course. 
Clay Buckholz is hurt, and that means the Blue Jays had to go get, apparently, Edwin Jackson. I heard uh, Dallas Keuchel is mm-hmm. actually still available, but Jackson it is. Uh, <laughs> Justin Smoke had a, an unusual game. It's the end of the Socrates, Brito, and Alan Hansen uh, era. We, of course, have your questions. We do have a do-over. Uh, sort of a classic do-over, a real foot-in-mouth moment. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> that should about do it. So, <laughs> we begin. The Blue Jays, this is not a good-hitting team, is it, Nick? Uh, not particularly. And I think it, the Jays are kind of running into the same problem they've run into in years past. Um, you know, with their offense, it seems to be a uh, feast or famine. You know, there's a lot of guys like Randall Gritchick and Teoscar Hernandez who don't make a lot of contact. They can hit the ball pretty hard when they do make contact. But for the most part, you know, they have low on base percentages and don't hit for very good averages. And uh, when you don't walk, and you don't make a lot of contact, you can get into funks like this. And I think that's that's what we're seeing right now. Um, I'm just, I have, of course, uh, a Fangraph stats page up in front of me. And, and over the last week, there were exactly two Blue Jays hitters who had a um, weighted runs created, uh, WRC plus, of over 100. And they were Billy McKinney, who only had 11 mm-hmm. plate appearances, and Randall Grichuk. <laughs> Uh, everybody else was literally below league average. Some people to the point where they, they broke, you know, formerly awesome Eric Sogard uh, hit 067, <laughs> 067 last week. Um, so even even those sort of, you know, little bounces and blips where, where guys were doing really well kind of cleared right out. Mm-hmm. Uh, these aren't great pitchers they're facing, though. No, they're not. But, I mean... These these are not great hitters for the most part either, right? I, I mean, I don't think anyone's surprised that Eric Sogard is cooling off, or you know, Freddie Galvis isn't gonna hit three fifteen all year. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's it's a little bit of course correction for some of the the Blue Jays that started above their heads, and then just you know, when it comes to to guys like Vlad Jr., it's just a little bit of you know adjusting and not being able to kind of hit at their level uh, just quite yet. Um, I, I don't know that this really, again, not all these guys are going to be here in two years, um, but it certainly no. is a little disheartening at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, one, you know, like one, one person I, I, I'm pretty excited about is, is Rowdy Tellez, actually. I think he's been okay so far. You know, he's not, he's not setting the world on fire by any means. You know, his average is under 240, his on base is under 300, but he seems to be hitting the ball really hard. Um, and if he's able to kind of quell the strikeouts, which is something he was able to do in the minor leagues, I think he could be uh, a pretty pleasant surprise. And one of those Blue Jays who could be here in two years and, and a pretty you know, important part of, of the next great Jays team. Now, we haven't seen much of Jonathan Davis other than he was, you know, I mean, obviously just called up. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, is, is he here to stay, do you think? Yeah. Uh... Um, I think there's definitely the potential in that the people he's battling for playing time with haven't really been doing much of anything. And so I think it's kind of an open race for at-bats in left field, especially considering Charlie Montoyo seems like a manager, at least in in the early going. He seems like a manager who likes to play the hot hand. And if you're you're doing well, you're going to be in there, even if 
you know, you are inevitably going to come crashing back down to earth like, like Eric Sogard. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's possible Jonathan Davis, uh, can win the job. Um, but I think in terms of like raw skills, my guess is he's pretty comparable to Teoscar Hernandez and Billy McKinney in terms of just, you know, the different, he has a different skill set than those players, but I think they get you to about the, the same place, which is, a little bit underwhelming. Uh, that word "underwhelming" seems to come up <laughs> yeah. a lot. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's yeah, it's been a been a rough go uh, over the past week, and and the pitching hasn't really bailed them out either, um, which is also problematic. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't know how deep we can get into. They lost pretty much all but one game since we last podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bad teams will do that sometimes. We'll we'll go to Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman, I think, thought he was doing better than he was actually doing. Um, Right. So tell us about what what we saw on the mound from Marcus. Uh, Yeah, on on Saturday afternoon, uh, Marcus Stroman was pulled from the game in the sixth inning. Or was it the seventh inning? I believe to start the seventh. I think we let him go. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, the seventh inning, and uh, he got into a little bit of trouble. There, there were men on base, and Charlie Montoyo came to take him out of the game. And at that point, Marcus Stroman was very upset about getting taken out of the game. Uh, he was, I believe, set to face Yolmer Sanchez, who he had surrendered a home run to earlier that day. Um, but in Marcus Stroman's mind, I'm sure he thought he was one ground ball away from getting out of the jam. And uh, he, yeah, he kind of reacted in, in a very emotional and, you know, a way that everyone watching the game on TV or in the in the ballpark could see. It carried into the dugout, and he talked to Pete Walker, and then he argued with Charlie Montoya again once Montoya got off the mound. And so, yeah, it was a, a moment of Stroman wearing his heart on his sleeve, uh, if you want to interpret it charitably. And if you don't want to interpret it charitably, maybe someone would accuse him of throwing a tantrum. I, I think that's uh, that's the line that you walk with Marcus Stroman and I wonder if that's part of the reason why um you know again they've talked about character and then they got a couple of guys in the beginning of spring training who didn't Mm -hmm. seem to be real character guys but is this something that you know happens with Marcus Stroman that we don't see I I wonder uh more often uh and that occasionally it bubbles to the surface and it you know is he more difficult than your average pitcher to deal with and is it worth the performance that you get out of him right I mean I wasn't pretty. I wasn't particularly surprised, and I don't mean that as a attack on Stroman. I just mean in general, pitchers seem to get upset when when they're taken out of the game. You know, I don't think most of them get to the major leagues by thinking anything other that they can basically get any hitter on the planet out. And Stroman's probably no different. Uh, so, to me, it wasn't particularly bothersome or a sign of any bigger issue. It's just. These players are all very, very competitive people. You know, Stroman had pitched fairly well that day. And, uh, yeah, I think it's just him him being frustrated uh, after wanting to, to stay in the game. And I think that's, that's ultimately what Montoyo said, too, is these guys all want to stay in the game. And he kind of didn't seem to think it was much of an issue either. That said, I'm not around the team on a daily basis or anything. So if there, it's, it's definitely, I guess, possible that there are other issues. I think it's something we definitely keep an eye on, um, you know, as the yeah. Jays talk about whether they want to extend Stroman or not. Uh, the other guy right. that they might want to extend is Aaron Sanchez, who, uh, like like his compatriot, Mr. Stroman, uh, had two starts this week and had an ERA north of five. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, I think the thing with, with Aaron Sanchez, especially in the start uh, against the White Sox on Sunday, is it seems this year is it's always just one bad inning. And when it is just contained to one inning, you know, there's always that perspective or feeling from from a bystander watching the game that he's just one little tweak or adjustment away from being dominant. Because it's very different than just coming out there and not having anything. And that's not really, I don't think, what we've seen from Sanchez yet this year. You know, he's 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 flashing that great potential that we're we're used to kind of Sanchez flashing, but it just he hasn't seemed to be able to to get any consistency with it. And I mean, at this point in time, that's really nothing new either, but um, it, it still gives you a little bit of hope to dream on or, or, you know, it keeps you coming back to watch that next start. Cause it feels like he could still be putting it together. Well, it is extremely frustrating. I'm sure for him as well, where um, his mechanics clearly are, are, were very much in line um to start the game he struck out five of the first six batters he faced on on in his last start uh and he had another strikeout before i think it was the fourth or the fifth um when things he 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 could no longer put the ball where he wanted to put the ball so the mechanics were there and they fell apart and and his methodology for getting back into form for for you know regaining some some uh command is not quick enough or effective enough at this point and i don't know if that's because he's coming off of a year where he didn't get a lot of reps and he was injured uh or is it because that's just who aaron sanchez is and that's what Mm -hmm. i'm worried about i think right yeah it's it's definitely still something that i don't think we know the answer to um you know i i took a i took a look earlier today and he's throwing his curveball a lot more often this year uh, at the expense of his fastball, which is obviously a more difficult pitch to locate. And so some of it might be feel with the curveball. I'm not sure if it has to do with that. I mean, another potential issue is that, uh, you know, he's either being tentative or trying to deal with a potential blister issue that he's either worried about coming up or, or you know, is coming up. Because um, that seems to be almost, I, I mean, I think, it's a little early to call it a chronic blister issue, but it's definitely something that I think is in the back of everyone's minds when uh, when Sanchez is is pitching. So yeah, hopefully you know between him and Pete Walker, there's a way for them to to kind of find some consistency. Because if if they do, you know Sanchez has three really good pitches, and uh, you know his ceiling is probably higher than that of any any pitcher currently on the the J staff. Yeah, that that ability to do that physical course correction uh, in the middle of a of a start is, you know, you watch a, a really great, you know, all time pitcher. And I think that's something that you see when a guy mm-hmm. doesn't have it or when he starts to come out of his delivery, he under he understands what his body's doing. And before all of the damage gets done, you know, when he's out of the game, he's able to make some kind of correction. I mean, I, we, yeah. we, we were spoiled by watching Roy Halladay for several years and he he never wavered in those mechanics because he knew that the repetition um, for him mm-hmm. and, and all the things he did to prepare his body allowed him to repeat the same delivery over and over and over again and get the ball where he wanted over and over and over again. And, and that's, again, it's only the all-time greats who can do that. <laughs> yeah. But you hope <laughs> that that's what, what your guy's learning, right? Mm-hmm. To Even to some degree, you know, if he can get 60% of 
of that consistency, I'm sure it'll go a long way in, in making him a better pitcher. Yeah. Did AJ Burnett learn something from Roy Halladay when it came to control? Maybe. You know, he certainly mm-hmm. he he uh, he gathered something from him in the time that they spent together. Um, yeah. Yeah. You hope that those kind of things are developing. So while we're talking about old pitchers, uh, I guess we'll go to the old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Clay Buckholes was not great while he was, you know, hanging around and now he's hurt. So one must replace Clay Buckholes with another old pitcher who has been around the block a few times. And we got Edwin Jackson. You were pretty excited when I when I said we, we needed to talk about Edwin Jackson. Yes, uh, that's exactly what I was very excited to talk about Edwin Jackson. Um, I guess what you need to know about Edwin Jackson is he was currently a triple A with the Oakland Athletics when the Jays acquired him. And I do think it is saying something that he couldn't crack the Oakland Athletics rotation. Um, they've been absolutely decimated with injuries. And uh, if if he's still in the minor leagues when he's in Oakland, I think that doesn't bode well for his major league prospects with the Blue Jays. So we'll just go to the weird trivia about Edwin Jackson. So Edwin Jackson was a Blue Jay for like, apparently two hours at some point is is the way some people read the trade that happened with Colby Rasmus back in 2012 2011 right mm-hmm. but I've also yeah, heard he was he was flipped to he was flipped to Chicago right or uh or no to sorry St. flipped Louis. to St. Louis yeah, yeah from Chicago yeah um but I've also heard that this is Edwin Jackson's 14th team uh mm-hmm. which I'm confused about because he would anyway maybe because he never suited up as a blue jay at all right yeah he may not have actually played a game with with toronto that that's why this is considered his first go around with the jays right so Mm -hmm. given that he um is now on his 14th team that there's i don't know if you're aware of this or not but uh there he was currently tied with 13 teams with another very much journeyman pitcher uh now edwin jackson i'm sure is younger than this other guy (laughs) Mm-hmm. Do you remember who the the thirteen team pitcher was? Uh, are they still active? No, no, they were a reliever with the Blue Jays. A reliever with the Blue Jays, oh, and not um, left handed. Shockingly, um, ooh, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're gonna bail I'm on gonna that. Default. Right. So yeah. Octavio Dotel, Dotel, ah, yes. So Octavio, he made it up to 13 teams. Yes. Wow. Now, interestingly, his 13th team was the Toronto Blue Jays. So there the Blue Jays helped him set the record. And now, because they're a generous team, <laughs> have helped Edwin Jackson <laughs> set the record for uh, yeah most well-traveled MLB pitcher of all time. So, yeah. I've got, I've got some good news and bad news. So... Okay. Edwin Jackson's ERA at AAA this season is 8.38. That's the bad news. I was going to say, that's the good news. Holy Hannah, are we in trouble? <laughs> <Yeah>. Good news <laughs> is his, uh, his FIP, his ex-FIP, comes in at 582. So um, he's been a little bit unlucky. A little bit. Still bad, but yeah. unlucky. Bad, but, but just unlucky. Well, you know, could be, could be worse. Could be um, a yet another bullpen by committee game. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to talk about Vlad Jr. Yeah. He hit a very, very hard single on Saturday. I think it was like the second hardest hit ball this season via StatCast. It 
was like 116 miles per hour off the bat, I believe. 119.8, actually. Wow. Oh, I was, I did him dirty there. I took three miles yep. of the, away from him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, I don't know what they're, I don't know if there's too much to say about Vlad. I mean, he's going to be fine. He's, he's been struggling a little bit, but nobody's given him anything to hit. Uh, and you know, I think he's, he's going to learn to, to kind of spit on those pitches on just off, off the edges of the plate and he's going to be a really great hitter. Uh, you know, maybe he's pressing a little bit to try to make something happen, but yeah, I'm as confident in him now as I was a month ago. And in that game, he also, uh, walked two times and got a little dying quail of a single as well. Um, so he reached base four times, which, again, the odd trivia that means nothing. He's the youngest Blue Jay to ever reach base four times. I don't care, really. I mean, that's just a fluke because he's the young, probably the youngest Blue Jay who had a chance to reach base four times in a game. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, getting on base more than once, taking some walks, all of that, yeah, I think it does speak to him settling a little bit. Um But I think it's also difficult when, you know, the guys around you aren't hitting. Like, I... I know hitting isn't really contagious, but but there is there is a you know you can relax a little bit if you feel like the rest of the lineup might pick you up if you're not able to advance the runner or you're not able to you know drive a guy in, and this is not a lineup where I think anybody feels that way. And I think this goes with what what you were just talking about, Greg. Where uh, part of the reason that Guerrero is getting nothing to hit is that there's no one else in the Blue Jays lineup that is posing a threat to opposing pitchers. And when that happens, I think the pitcher's mindset is probably we're not going to give Vlad Jr. anything to hit because even if we do put him on, there's no one in the Toronto lineup that can can drive him in. So that's probably got a lot to do with why he hasn't seen uh, anything good so far. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's just it's a lineup you can tiptoe around if you need to. So. Um, tiptoe away <laughs> if you're a pitcher. <laughs> now, uh, to be okay, we're going to talk about Vlad's uh, base running, which, uh, you know, there hasn't been a lot because he hasn't been on base a lot, but he did get a little enthusiastic there on the weekend against the White Sox. Yeah. You know, my, my take on that is in a season like this where there's not a lot of fun stuff going on, run away. Do it. Run into the out if you have to. It's 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 fun to watch, and I guess, admittedly, it's probably not great for his learning about base running or, or whatever <laughs> it is the third base coach would would you know say. But for me, it's it's kind of fun as just as a fan to, to watch him run himself into into outs there on the bases, like well, like what Batista used to do. Well, yeah, this was this was a you know like a Batista plus because I you know Vlad was trying to go first to third on a ground out, knowing that everybody was shifted away from third base. Um, yeah, you know, I'm even willing to give him credit that he glanced and saw the pitcher, uh, Ivan Nova, just standing on the mound. And that was mm -hmm. him thinking the base is empty. Right. But Brian McCann was like, oh, no, it isn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, after McCann was two thirds of the way up the third baseline, uh, Vlad was pretty much a dead duck unless somebody dropped a ball. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, a teachable moment. I would rather that happen now than in a year where they're two games out of first. Um, right. So, yeah, I'm okay with that in, in, in the instance where it happened. Uh, lastly, he, he still continues to play a very solid defense, and he does have a heck of an arm over at third base, if you ask me. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think for all the talk uh, and scoffing at the idea that he was kept down for his defense, which ultimately I don't think he should have been kept down because of his defense, but I think part of that conversation was 
a lot of people talking about how he's he's never going to be a good defensive player. He you know he's here for his bat. He's still a kid. He's 20 years old. I mean, the idea that he's a finished product defensively, I think was never true. And I think that was the one thing that was true in the Jays front office's thinking. And so it's to me, it's not surprising to see him do well on some plays. I, I think he's going to still get his lumps, but I think it's very possible in a year or two, we're looking at a, a guy who's a much better third baseman. And I know we've mentioned this too, but he hasn't even played third base that long. You know, when uh, the Jays signed him, he was an outfielder and he moved to third base a couple of years ago. So yeah, I, I, I'm very, I'm very kind of like cautiously optimistic as to the, you know, the chance that maybe in 10 years, Vlad's still playing third. All right. We'll, we'll write that down and we'll see, we'll come back to it, see how it goes. Uh, yeah. So uh, a couple of other notes that we should cover. Justin Smoke walked four times in a row, which is the first time he's ever done that in his career. So good on him for spitting on the ones on the corners. Setting a good example for Vlad. Exactly. It's like, this is how you do when there's nothing to hit. Uh, and then, uh, so the great Socrates, Brito, Alan Hansen uh, show touring uh, extravaganza <laughs> is finally at an end. <laughs> what did we learn, Nick, from the, the Brito Hansen experience? I What I learned was, I think those lineups with Brito and Hansen and Sogard at the top were were testing my limitations as a baseball fan as to if, if or not I was going to watch those games. And and that's that's no slight on you know, that's no slight on Brito and Hansen. They're, you know, in the top one percent of their profession. But every time I saw that Jay's lineup rollout with Brito and Hansen in it, I was on MLB TV looking for the best out of market game, if if I'm being totally honest with with you, Craig. I, I appreciate your honesty, Nick. I absolutely do. So uh, there, there you go. You've, you've, what the Blue Jays managed to do was increase their viewership by one on average <laughs> uh, by eliminating the two guys from the <laughs> roster. All righty. So that, uh, that was the week that was. I wish we had more happy news to report. But, uh, you know, Blue Jays are, are going to be on the West Coast by the time you listen to this. So maybe there will be something, some kind of action happening there that's, that's, uh, uh, more optimistic or, or more beneficial to the team. We're going to come back with your questions about that week that was and, and other uh, Blue Jays related stuff in just a sec. If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten, and that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing. Uh, in three, two, one. And we're back because uh, we wanted to come back. We want to come back and just be with you some more. Yeah, I know. You wanted to be with us too because you haven't you haven't clicked pause or stop on your podcast. Uh, what we do when we come back, of course, is answer questions from you, the listeners. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Then how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Do you have a uh, question song dance, Nick, or do you just wait for it to end? Uh... You know, to be honest, I don't know what repeat the question is. And I always think to ask you the last little quote that you have in there. And I always think to ask you what it's from. And I always forget. So that, that's usually what I'm thinking about. What's uh, the can you repeat the question uh, quote from? I don't know. I, I believe that uh, most of the actual quotes were, were 
picked out by uh, Josh and I just mixed some of the uh, music in with them and changed changed the timing on some of them. But we'd have to oh, ask okay. Josh. That's a, okay. that's a good well, one. I have a question then for next week. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Put it in uh, the, the, the Twitter. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, I will. <laughs> so the first question, the, the Vladito cometh at Split Letters, who used to be called Luke, but I guess he's he's moved on. Uh, if the Jays were to acquire Kawhi, where would you put him in the lineup and playing what position? I feel like that's that's probably slanted towards the uh, recent Raptors thing that, that probably wouldn't have come up. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's the mayor of Toronto for the foreseeable future, and deservedly so. That was a, a great game and great shot. But um, to answer Luke's question, a hundred percent starting pitcher. And if you want to know why, just skip back in the podcast to when we were talking about Edwin Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> This is the he couldn't be any worse than Edwin Jackson. I thought there was well, no. Gonna... Kawhi could be great, right? Like he's what six foot seven, six foot eight. His perceived velocity is going to be really, really high because he's releasing the ball so close to home plate. We just you know get him to work with someone who knows something about spin rate. Maybe I don't know we can poach a coach from the Astros or something. And yeah, oh, I bet you Kawhi could be a, an ace starter in in three years. I feel like I don't want to put a lot of pressure on him, so I think we just put him at mm-hmm. first base because, I mean, if, if anybody needs to stretch out, you know, mm. and, and help the infield out, I think a guy like uh, who is six foot seven, like you said, could, could do that and probably a little less wear and tear on the body. And I right. understand they've, they've had to do some load management with him. Now, working every fifth day, that's kind of like load management. So That's true. Plus, he's on if he's pitching, he's on dirt as opposed to the turf, which is probably not great for the body either. Right. You know what? Josh is screaming right now that we are even hinting that this is like a legit thing that isn't baseball that we're discussing. So I'm going to move on before we get canceled. Um, Matt Sweeby at Blue Jay Matt. He he doesn't have a question. He just has a a comment. He says, my mama taught me if you can't say anything nice, then don't say anything nice. Say anything at all. I have nothing to say about the season so far, and I suspect I won't have anything to say about the rest of the way either. Do you think if Vlad hits for the cycle, he'll weigh in and say something? Um, I would, I would hope so. But just to, to you know, to tell Matt, it's not all doom and gloom. This is a young Jays team with not only some good, exciting young players, but more on the cusp of of the big leagues. And I mean, the Jays played the Giants two weeks ago. They're going to play the Giants starting tomorrow night. If you want to see a team to be doomy and gloomy about that's that's the team the jays you can see the future there's things to dream on i mean that giants team that's that's an atrocious team right now i would say um there it could be worse matt so i'd say try to appreciate what we do have which is like one of the potentially best young players in the game and maybe another one on the way and some other people that could be you know interesting pieces too if if things break right or they develop so it's 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 better than we think I feel Even like if it doesn't look like that, I feel like I'm going to nice. steal the uh, Monty Python. Always look on the bright side of life for the intro to this segment now. Um, <laughs> all right. T Ronto at T Ronto blue uh, says Anthony Alford, unfortunately stinks right now. Uh, one, what the hell has happened? And two, if this keeps up, how long before he loses his 40 man spot? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that he's still only 24. He has missed a lot of time, not only for injuries, but uh, because he played football uh, into into college. 
I don't know what's happened, um, but I know he's too—he's too young to give up on for sure. Uh, especially the since there's nobody who's really you know, taken the taken the job and run with it in left field. I know we were talking about Jonathan Davis. Uh, I think there's an equal chance that Anthony Alford could finish the year as the Jays left fielder as or center there is fielder. The Davis. Yeah, yeah. And then you move Gritch to right. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know what's happened. There's there's no guarantees that that he is going to turn it around and become a solid major leaguer, but uh, he's still just very young. And in terms, in terms of the roster spot, I know Josh is kind of our resident roster mechanization guy, but uh, I'm, unless I'm wrong, the, the next person I could foresee needing a 40 man would be Bo. Um, so they have some time to, to, to sort that out, I believe. I'm I'm not going to uh, contradict or uh, agree with you because I I literally have no idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm oh yeah, one hundred percent not my department. Yeah, I'm uh, asking it. I'm asking it like a question too. To be to yeah. be very clear, yeah. So we're just we're just gonna wait on the forty minute spot. All right, Colleen Evans uh, says the pretend you are the Blue Jays GM. Is that were we not already doing that? I think that's pretty easy. <laughs> every <laughs> pretty, day, every day. <laughs> It's not really a stretch. What are three changes you would implement on this off day? Um, So there's two ways you can read this question. One is about the Jays roster. And then the other is about kind of like the Jays fan experience or, you know, all those other things surrounding the team that don't have to do with the team on the field. Um, So depending on how you read it uh, in terms of, if I was doing it for kind of the fan experience or the game experience, I would get local local craft beer uh, around the Rogers Center. Um, I would make it so this is going to be kind of a fringe one, but I would make it so that the ushers aren't so draconian with making people sit in their seats when there's like <laughs> 10,000 people at the stadium. I feel like if if you bought a ticket and there's that few people in the stadium, we'll just let let the people sit wherever they want. Like, who's it really hurting? Um, and then the third one, uh, I guess, would be hmm, maybe maybe just try to bring some local food into the into the Sky Dome. I know a lot of it now is kind of more. I I don't recognize any of the the brands or the kinds of food they're selling there. You know, there's lots of awesome local Toronto chains and uh and restaurants that you could incorporate into the sky dome so i'd say those three um from from that the fan experience perspective i feel like you just promoted yourself to team president during the course of the question but i could be wrong <laughs> yeah oh yeah is that more team president well that's I what know. i would i <laughs> guess that's uh, what i would do is just, yeah, make myself president that's step one absolutely get yeah. myself a promotion um <laughs> So, uh, what would I do from a roster standpoint? Um, I would uh, I would sign Dallas Keuchel for whatever money he wanted. Honestly, just get out there. The Blue Jays need a starter. He's a good starter. And would you do it with an eye towards trading him, or would you do it with an eye towards maybe like having him stick around when the team is good again in a year or two? Whatever makes Dallas Keuchel happy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> honestly, I don't, it doesn't matter what happens this year. I want a guy who's going to make the starts for me. I want a product, you know, that people are going to want to see. I think if he sees it coming together, I would certainly offer him, you know, 
uh, I, I would certainly offer some sort of option, you know, on right. next year or two years. I wouldn't say, oh, it's only a one year deal, uh, but I would certainly pay him some money because right now nobody's paying him paying him any money. Uh, I, I would think that would be attractive. So that's number one. Um, number two, I would call up. Uh, uh, probably I would try calling up Bobachet just to see what happened. And what else? I would uh, I would try my darndest to trade Marcus Stroman right now. I'll be honest. That's only because he blocked yep. me on Twitter, though. You should not <laughs> block your general manager on Twitter. That's all I'm saying. That'll get you traded. Real yeah. short order. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, if that wasn't ridiculous enough, uh, we have a do-over to do. All right. What would I do different? Well, while I've never actually made a mistake, there have been a few, let's call them, stananks. This could be worthy of a do-over. Okay, so Derek Holland made a stanank, I think, (laughs) (laughs) very recently. Um, So Derek Holland uh, returned from the injured list, had a horrible outing, and and then was asked to go go to the bullpen. Uh, so after he was asked to go to the bullpen and, and everything else, of course, the media talked to him because that's what the media does. And, and Derek said, to be honest, I have no idea what they're doing. Okay, right there, I think probably I he should have stopped. But anyway, I don't mean <laughs> that by, by Bochy and them. It's more the front office. They keep changing a lot of things. I did a fake injury. I'm not happy about that. But at the end of the day, I'm going to do whatever they asked me to do. Whoa, hold up. <laughs> Hold the phone. Maybe they didn't ask him to not say the injury was fake. Maybe they just need to be more explicit in what they ask him to do. Don't mention the fake injury to the media. (laughs) So, um, I think maybe that's, like, the worst way to approach that situation. (laughs) (laughs) like i can't think of a worse way to upset your ownership by declaring that they basically broke in the cba and that you just went along with it because that's what you do like that's just is that not what he's insinuating it is but like i said earlier playing for the giants right now is a probably a pretty difficult experience he's probably just trying to to shake things up um because it's it's not a lot of fun in San Francisco right now. Um, yeah, I, you know what I would have done is I would have said, okay, I'll do this, but I get to pick what the injury is. <laughs> and then I would have made up <laughs> some elaborate Dick Cheney-esque story where I accidentally got shot hunting or something like that. So uh, the, the president in San Francisco of baseball operations is Farhan Zaidi. Zaidi? Yes. So his response was the following, and I will explain what I think of it afterwards. He says, quote, the guy gets hit by a truck. He can't walk out on the field. That, I guess, is an unequivocal injury. But there's a lot of gray area beyond that. Now, to me, that sounds like like a thinly veiled threat, like he's some sort of New York gangster going. <laughs> so, like, the guy yeah. gets hit by a truck. And I'm not saying Derek Holland going to get hit by a truck or nothing, but, like, if Derek Holland got hit by a truck, that would be an unequivocal injury. Yeah. Right, yeah. Derek? 
Yeah? yeah. Like, that would be, like, a bad thing if you got hit by a truck. Not saying you're going to get hit by a truck or nothing, but it'd be horrible. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Not not to bring this back into the, the realm of the rational, but, you know, kind of like what we were saying with Stroman. And I hadn't heard uh, Farhan's response. So, you know, hearing it, it does sound a lot like, oh, pitchers never want to get it taken out of the game. They never want to go on the DL. Sometimes you have to force them to do something they don't want to do, right? Like, did, wasn't didn't Jacob Degrom his elbow hurt and he didn't want to get an MRI uh, a, a couple of weeks ago? Uh, I didn't hear this, so, but I would believe it hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> so, so may, maybe there, maybe it is a little bit more reasonable than uh, than Holland's making it sound. If, if, you know, if we want to say you're injured, that's like a gray area. Like, you don't have to actually be injured. But if we had to injure you <laughs> to get you yeah. to be on the DL, we could injure you. I'm just saying we could yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's He's not a New yeah. York gangster, but there was... Yeah. I don't know. I found it funny. Uh, the do-over. Yeah. The do-over uh, for Derek, uh, I think, is probably to just do a quick review no matter how heated you get no matter how heated and upset you are about how things are going is to do a quick review of your responsibilities in the cba before you go out and talk to the media and then Mm -hmm. maybe maybe you sort of sculpt your comments around what may or may not get you uh fined or fired (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that's probably good for job security anyway at the very least yeah absolutely i think he probably wants to do over I think of all maybe the people he wants to got, get traded. Oh, maybe, maybe to another team that doesn't need him to be injured. Exactly. Oh wow! All right, so that was all good fun, uh, which uh, means we we've pretty much covered all of the things that we're going to cover for the week. At which I'm going to give you an opportunity to approach uh, the bench with a final thought. All right. Um, so I was at the Rogers Center on Saturday uh, watching the game and uh, I was there for a work function, which meant I was in one of the uh, the suites Ooh. and in the suite next to us was Ross Atkins. And why I found that so interesting is because I think a lot of the narrative around Ross Atkins and just most baseball executives in general is that they're very, you know, they're very analytic or the new age executives, they're very analytic. And, you know, they think a lot about, you know, kind of like high, high order, like corporate philosophies. And I'm, I'm, I'm whinging on here. Cause I'm, <laughs> I'm trying not to say nerdy, right? Like there's, there's kind of an impression that they're these, they're very like kind of nerdish and sitting in the suite next to him. Uh, it's a it's a good reminder that oh no this guy played like professional baseball he is a big strapping athletic man so you can that, see him from suite to suite like there was a yeah 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 the, you know how there's like there's seats out in front so there's like a it's like a kind of like a boxish area where there's like a TV and like a lounge like a lounge yeah and and then there's seats out in front and I was sitting in the seats out in front and I noticed them and he's just like a big strong strapping man which again is not kind of the idea you get when you hear him talking about like high performance or any of the other you know list of things that ross talks to the media about um yeah so that that my final thought is like don't mess with rock rock (laughs) did he get animated during the game like was he cheering actively no, no, no. He was doing what any good GM would do. He's on the phone. Look, up, look at his phone. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
like most fans, though not with mm-hmm. a, you know other purpose. So uh, my final thought is uh, is just a quick you know sort of update on on what the Jays uh, ended up with. Um, they they paid the the freight on Kendris Morales some of it to go to Oakland where he could be a DH, uh, and uh, apparently their uh, their first base DH option got healthy, which means that Kendris Morales has uh, met the DFA train. Once again, and he is boarding it in Oakland for parts unknown. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, that's kind of a sad moment. I, I don't know if it's a super sad moment because, you, you know, this team really doesn't have room for a Kendrys Morales on it. Um, but we'll see if he turns up somewhere else and then hits like three home runs in one series against the Blue Jays. Because uh, as you do <laughs> when you're a former Blue Jay, right? Hopefully not, but... At least not against the Blue Jays. Had three home runs in a series against the Yankees or something. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you've been a fan that long. I don't think it works that way around here. <laughs> uh, it sure doesn't, unfortunately. <laughs> so you have been Nick Dyka at Nick Dyka, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead Twenty Ten, and this has been Artificial Turf Wars episode number one hundred and forty-two. I think that. Uh, let me double check that and edit that back in properly. <laughs> And uh, we will talk at you next week. Bye.